Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, But perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us so we can just keep making podcasts. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from inside Orga here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phil Iscove. And with us today is Anupam Nigam. I'm sorry, Anupam. I forgot to ask to pronounce your last name. It is Nigam, right? It's Nigam. Nigam, we dig him. <laughs> Nigam, sorry. Uh, my bad. Uh, but yes, we do dig him. He's back uh, <laughs> on the pod from the Blue Streak episode, the one Blue of my Street. favorites. 
Um, and it's so good to have you again. How uh, how you doing? I, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Life. Thank you so much for having me back. Uh, the fun thing after doing the first one is uh, I didn't realize so many of my friends love Blue Streak. <laughs> you know, like so, I don't know how many times I was having dinner with a friend where I was like, "Yeah, I just did this podcast about Blue Streak," and they're like, "Blue Streak? Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, people Blue love Blue Streak. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good what yeah I I don't know if you listened to our 52 in review but I, I believe it had some some presence on both of our lists. I believe that we both nominated Luke Wilson. How could you not? Tour de Force. Tour de Force. <laughs> I may um, I, I, I I may nominate him for the uh the end of the podcast. Nominations. Really? Who knows? Wow. Who okay. I loved him okay. so much. But um but today we're but, doing uh, something very relevant, very topical. Mm-hmm, uh, the very whole topical. world has has Kong and Godzilla fever. Yeah, um, I think I, I think uh, on you maybe Team Godzilla. <laughs> just, I'm not sure. Just a little bit, yes. <laughs> uh, the biggest Godzilla are, fan I know is we is doing, We are doing uh, Godzilla 2000. Mm-hmm. It was a Godzilla movie made by Toho. Uh, who made the original Godzillas and all the Godzilla versus all of the monsters. It came out 2000. I'm sorry, 99, but it's called Godzilla 2000. I understand why the marketing was, was too good to pass. That's out. right. Um, and, uh, and I, I watched this movie. Phil, you watched this movie. Uh, on, talk to me about this movie. What are we, what are we working with here? Uh, so it's a, can I just rewind very quickly just for a quick second, just to get some, some context on, on you and Godzilla. Sure, sure. Just because I feel like you guys go yeah, way talk back. Talk to me about you yeah. and Godzilla I, first. And we'd love, to, we'd love to know when he came into your life and why you love him so the much. The funny thing is I honestly can't remember not being a Godzilla fan. Uh, I think sure. I think like most little boys, I was into dinosaurs as a kid. And it just evolved into being a Godzilla fan. And I also think my brother, I have an older brother, and I think he was a monster fan uh, before I showed up. And I think because of him, he might have been my entree into uh, all the monsters, right? Like King Kong, Dracula, Frankenstein, and, and Godzilla. But Godzilla was one of our favorites. One of my sort of earliest memories of being a Godzilla fan is, Kenny, I think you remember, I'm, I'm from New Jersey. Uh, and uh, the local affiliate there, WWR-TV, which is Channel 9, on Thanksgiving, they would show three King Kong movies on Thanksgiving Day, and then they would show three Godzilla movies on Black Friday. And to me, that's like what made it the holidays, that we get to just kick back and watch monster movies uh, all day. And uh, I was always felt cheated on the Godzilla Day if they showed the original King Kong versus Godzilla. I was like, that's not fair. That's a King Kong movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I should get that's a Kong movie. only Godzilla movie. That's a 50-50 movie. <laughs> that's yeah. right. And uh, I also I, remember... So- as a little kid, just Sorry, back then, like I would, you would actually check the newspaper to see what movies were on. Mm-hmm. And I remember our local paper was the star ledger. And every Saturday I would get the star ledger. I would look at the TV grid and see, they had a separate section for movies. And I would just be like, Oh, Godzilla versus the sea monster is on at three o'clock today. I'm, I'm going to watch that. Mm-hmm. So I guess my, the, the thing about Godzilla and again, the total layman. I've seen. I've seen a couple of them. I certainly haven't seen all mm-hmm. of them. Um, it, it feels as though there are purists who who prefer the sort of the OG Godzilla mm-hmm. movies that that are that are almost stop motion yeah. for for lack of a better way of putting mm-hmm. it. Um, and and then there's sort of this line in the sand which feels like it's the the Broderick 
American movie, yeah. right? Which Wait, is hold on. Hey, hang one second. One sec. Okay. I, I do want to get this clear. Are they stop motion? I thought that they were. I thought they were always man in a suit. They're man in suit. Maybe once in a blue moon, there's a stop motion scene okay. in the movie, but they are mostly okay. what you call suit motion. Okay. So sure, yeah. <laughs> a guy in a suit or suit. Okay, sure. My my apologies. I, I guess I I they they are they're a lot more tactile. I guess is the best way to to, to put mm-hmm. it. They're they're mostly black and white. If I'm not mistaken, uh, no, only the first two in Japan. Only the first okay. two are in black. And okay, white. Yeah. okay. Um, how many Godzilla movies are there? Did we lose on? <laughs> I I can answer that. <laughs> I can't answer that. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> He'll be back I, in a second. I, um, think that, I, I, I yeah. do think that there are 15 pre-Broadway. You guys are frozen on my computer. Okay. I okay. believe Vulture put out a list of the top 15 Godzilla movies, and um, some of them are Anyone Godzilla there? versus you know Mothra, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Some of them are you mm-hmm. know have titles like you know All Monsters kick ass or some shit like that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to punk and help us out, but uh, I All do monsters believe kick ass sounds great though. That's pretty I mean, much what we're working with, but I do believe there are 15 pre uh, broader Godzilla flicks. How many Godzilla films are there? Oh, off the top of my head. I think there are something like 26 Japanese. Maybe be 26 altogether. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm just that, 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 that makes more sense. Okay. I think. Because I Kenny winged it and said fifteen prior to Broderick, but I think it might be a little higher. But I, I could know. count them out now if you wanted so, to, but I, I don't think you want to. So wait there, there are all right. So uh, yeah, uh, there are fifteen quote unquote classic Japanese mm-hmm. Godzilla okay. movies. Okay, so in case that, that does believe, not include, okay, sorry, and that I believe goes to seventy two uh, with an ast- installment entitled Godzilla versus. Uh, Anupam, you can feel free to correct me. Gigan? Okay, so there are a few more after that one. Uh, I actually think it goes more... Oh, there's... You're right. There's in 75, Terror of Mechagodzilla. Terror of Mechagodzilla would be the last one in the original era of Godzilla movies. Godzilla movies are actually split into eras. The movies you're talking about that start in 1954 and go to like 1978 are called the Showa era. Uh, there would be another era after that called the Heisei era, which is like technically started in 1989, but it's there's a movie called Godzilla 1985 that most fans believe kicked off the second era. And then we're, the movie we're here to talk about today kicks off the third era, which is called the Millennium Era. Okay. But I, I think the, I like the, the show era Millennium. Is, that He must be a great <laughs> emperor. So when, when you speak of the, the Millennium period... Does that include the American films? Is that all in one kind of thing, or are the American films their own thing? I think the most Godzilla fans would consider the American movies their own thing. They're actually called either the Legendary Universe or the Monsterverse. Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. They're okay. technically all in something called the Reiwa period now. <laughs> okay, so so uh, let's uh, oh, wow. let's let's break down what we're mm-hmm. talking about. Not that uh, yeah, yeah, sure. not that we shouldn't go back to the millennium where we we are living with this mm-hmm. movie, but. Uh, the legendary universe, I, I assume, refers to the production company. Um, mm-hmm. They have the rights to Godzilla and Kong, or just Godzilla. It seems like they have the rights to both because they've made two two Kong movies now too. So, 
Uh, whether they're licensing them, I don't know what the, the legal part of it is, but it yeah. seems like they have permission to use Kong as much as they want. Yeah, it's it's so what's interesting about this and and this this does sort of hone in on Godzilla 2000, which is that Godzilla 2000 for all intents and purposes. And I don't want to speak with authority here. And that's why we Mm. have you here on. But (laughs) it feels as though it was a reaction to the Broderick film, right? So yeah, the Broderick film comes out in 98 and everyone fucking hates it. Like not, not even just Godzilla fans, like basically everyone. Like no one's a very, it. very bad movie and a very bad experience. <laughs> um, and it was, I agree. And, with and I'm sure everyone remembers it. The marketing was out of control. Yeah. It was, it right. was primed to be the biggest movie of all time. I mean, it was really, it yeah. was, it was either it beats Titanic or it's a failure. And uh, mm-hmm. it was what ty- people thought Titanic was going to be, right? Like people thought Titanic was going to be an epic disaster, and Godzilla really was an epic disaster in every sense of the word. And it also well, it, it also kind yeah. of poisoned Godzilla for American audiences for a generation. A while, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's you know it's. So, so Roland Emmerich comes off of uh, Independence Day, which obviously an enormous film. He becomes the new sort of master of of disaster films, for lack of a better way of putting it, or at least like that's what everyone. There's sort of no better way to put it. You nailed it. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. and Godzilla, for all intents and purposes, on paper, I think we can all agree makes complete sense for this guy to do. Like it's yeah. it, it's it's it, it's a no brainer, uh, and the film is just is just terrible. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a there's a sort of a, a legal loophole they have i guess and by they i mean the the original right holders are able to finagle a way to make godzilla 2000 without stepping on the rights that sony purchased am i am i correct in that assessment my understanding is japan so at the end of that heisei period which was the 90s they killed godzilla in the last movie in a mm-hmm. movie called Godzilla versus Destroyer. Mm-hmm. And with the anticipation that America will make a hit franchise of Godzilla movies sure. and will just kick back and collect money. So my understanding is Columbia TriStar, Sony TriStar had the rights till 2003 mm-hmm. and Japan didn't plan on making another Godzilla movie till 2005. They were just going to let, you know, Americans make big budget uh, movies. But when this movie came out and it, you know, drastically underperformed and they felt like it hurt their brand, you know, Godzilla's like Mickey Mouse in Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, They felt like it hurt their brand. They had to like respond with the movie that we're here to talk about. And I do think they had to do, like you're saying, some tap dancing about like, they didn't want to go to say, say we hated your movie. So we're going to make our own. And this is the, the funny thing is, the premise of a Sony TriStar sequel wasn't like completely not happening. Like the movie still made something like $380 million worldwide Mm -hmm. and they had the, they bought the rights. And so Japan had to be, Toho had to be a little bit like while they were still possibly planning a sequel, be like, yeah, we're also going to like do something that restores restores our brand so for a little bit of sort of production context apparently due to high demand from fans to revive the toho godzilla development began in a new toho production two months after the release of tristar's godzilla uh the executive producer and writer of godzilla versus space godzilla and the writer of godzilla versus mecha godzilla 2 wrote the Mm -hmm. script um, and they basically, we wanted to make a new kind of Godzilla. We needed different views. That's why I chose, that's why he chose these screenwriters. Um, it, one producer, two screeners, three viewpoints, I guess, was the way that they kind of, I don't know, went into this it's, whole thing. 
it's definitely strange to say we want a new take and hire all people who've made Godzilla it's movies. So, so American, though. You we know? do the same shit. <laughs> you want a new take on Star yeah. Wars? Let's hire Lawrence Kasdan. So, yeah. like, yeah. I will say, I mean, it's just that's what we always uh, do. But, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's I will also, say, let me blow your minds. I want to blow your minds for a minute, though. I just want to say one thing. I actually don't have the venom for the American Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie that a lot of people have. Like, I do feel like they did, it's not clearly not my favorite Godzilla movie. It probably wouldn't be on my list of favorite Godzilla movies. But I I do, I did like that it was a different take. I did like that Godzilla could move fast. I did like that he could climb on buildings. I did like that he could sort of dodge and, and duck and not get hit by stuff. I feel like a lot of the things the Toho movies say about Godzilla are because of production reasons that there's a man in a 180-pound suit. It's you like, keep referring to Godzilla as he. When it's very clear at the end of that movie, Godzilla is she. She, yeah. I'm not sure, because they go out of their way in that movie to also not say Wait, Unless, Godzilla, unless <laughs> male Godzilla's lay, legs. Who knows? I think Matthew Broderick says it's asexual. He says that he uses the term asexual in it, so it's neither he uh, nor okay. she. But just, traditionally, yeah. he's referred to as he. I want to say also one of the things that that I didn't like about the Broderick version is mm-hmm. Godzilla's actual look. He kind of yeah. he really just looks like a T Rex. Mm-hmm. Um, they make him too dinosaury and not he's lizard a little too, enough. Igua- he's very iguana like <laughs> too. Like yeah, in he's this like very square faced right. in a way mm-hmm. that isn't. I, I just so it. What I like about the new Godzilla, he's a chonky boy. Um, yeah. I like that he's that he's got you know that he's this kind of lumbering thing. Like I, it, he right. shouldn't be too stealthy. So, I don't know. I, yeah, I think the 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 Matthew Broderick one made critical errors that the two thousand one goes out of its way to avoid. Yes, the correct. big thing for me is in the uh, Roland Emmerich one. It's hard to tell if Godzilla is the hero or the villain of the movie because they keep playing like sympathetic music whenever he shows up, but they're all trying to kill him for the whole movie. It's true. I have a lot of questions about Godzilla. And please. Okay. Tons. What I mm-hmm. want to make is the biggest problem with Godzilla 1998 is he's too handsome. So I agree with you. Godzilla is <laughs> a handsome monster, but Godzilla is actually a, a giant version of the toxic adventure. He's a hideous monster. That's part of his thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Upon the main question I have for you, yeah. I have two questions. They're, they 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 <laughs> connect. One is objectively, why is Godzilla good? And the second one mm-hmm. is subjectively, why is Godzilla good? So uh, I will say the the one of Godzilla's biggest appeals i think and he obviously has a lot of appeal for little kids little kids love godzilla movies i think there is something about when you're a kid watching a character who is more powerful than your parents basically like your parents are the most powerful people in your universe godzilla doesn't care what your parents think i think there's something for little kids that like oh he's like so that. powerful godzilla like if he makes a mess no one can force him to like clean up that mess <laughs> you know like if he just he just feels like, like wading out to the ocean he's gonna wade out to the ocean he lives a primarily i think something that kids would like he lives primarily a consequence free life mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like <laughs> if he destroys a city and goes out of the ocean he's like what what are you gonna do how are you gonna make me clean up this mess and so i think that's sort of his appeal to at least a lot of american fans and and kids everywhere 
And there's also a little bit of that X-Men appeal, which is that like sort of on a more elevated level is that we're always trying to kill him, but when we need him to help us, he does. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's a, a sort of more elevated thing there that like that sort of conundrum of, yes, he's dangerous, but he's a hero. He's an anti-hero. He's a hero. Yeah, it's like, he, he, you know, he like might all, be an asshole, but he's our asshole. That's right. Exactly. And going way back to the original, the, his appeal was he represented Japan's fear of nuclear radiation. Mm -hmm. You know, they had two nuclear bombs dropped on them and Godzilla exists because there was just this fear of radiation like the reason he was created was like there was a newspaper article where about irradiated fish like years after in the 50s years after the nuclear bombs irradiated fish made a whole town sick and that's what like gave the producer the idea of like oh this is still a fear japanese people have so he's got that going for him in japan i think here and just with young fans everywhere it's that he's this powerful creature that doesn't follow any rules doesn't have to listen to your parents like it doesn't matter what you throw at him you know he's just going to do his own thing no matter what he wants and and also he evolved into a superhero in the show era so. and then the 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 follow-up question subjectively why do you love him or or it's, the films I, or I whatever it is why does this connect to you um, in a way where you own shirts and, and uh, posters. <laughs> I think it's mostly for that reason that I was a little kid and he was just unstoppable. He was unbeatable and unstoppable. And again, I think I have that, that sort of the DNA in my brain just loves giant monsters, loves, uh, you know, uh, dinosaurs and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I even before Phil and I worked together, I worked on a TV show that was just about robots fighting giant monsters. And it was sort of a detour into family programming. But when I heard giant monsters, I was like, go yeah. on. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> so uh, that was called Mech X4. It's on Disney Plus if you want to check mm -hmm. it out. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why I've always been in his corner because for his first four movies in Japan, he's the villain. So he fights other monsters and loses. And I, like, hate those movies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I was like, how can he lose? And one of those is King Kong, by the way. King Kong beats him in his third movie. So there's, there's also a, um, a destructive component, right? Which yeah. comes back mm -hmm. to sort of this, this idea of just... Um, <clears throat> it comes back to consequences, but it also comes back to sort of unstoppability. It comes back to kids just wanting to break things, right? Like mm -hmm. this guy just kind of destroys buildings and cities and and leaves, you know, just destruction in his wake. Um, and uh, and everyone's kind of cool with that. It also, I want to ask a question because I don't I don't know the answer to this. I've not seen the first Godzilla film, and I don't know if this is answered in the first Godzilla film. But like uh -huh. the birth of Godzilla, what actually mm -hmm. created him? Do yeah. we ever see that? Is it sort of said just in kind of expo? How, how is that? Really? So I think you're to believe he's a prehistoric creature okay. that is both woken up and mutated by like bikini bomb tests in okay. the 50s. Okay. Okay. The only movie where you literally kind of see his creation is again in those 90s movies. It's a Heisei movie oh, right, right. where it's called Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. It's a weird thing. When I was a kid, he was called King Ghidra, but now they call him King Ghidorah. It's a time travel movie where <laughs> they realize there's a dinosaur living on an island that gets hit with a nuclear bomb and they move the dinosaur away so Godzilla's never created. 
I uh, see. So okay. you see, you see it in that one, and that's pretty much. And then the legendary, he just always existed. He was just a, cre- a prehistoric creature. That yeah, it seems it's it's one of the the few. So this kind of taps into into Kenny's questions a little bit too, um, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on this Anupam because, you know, watching this Godzilla 2000 film the other day. Um, and and watching Godzilla versus Kong a, a few days previous to that, I I or maybe it was the same day I don't know. There there is something that you inherently turn your brain off for these films, right? Like they they really cannot. You can't really be critical of them on on a sort of a storytelling lens or or any yeah. of those sort of things. And I think that freedom also is a part of the appeal to these films, right? Or, or at least specifically to, to Godzilla. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe less so to, to King Kong, which feels a little bit more emotional to some degree or another. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that freedom um, is, 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 is really kind of beautiful and kind of its own thing. I know that there are people that love B-movies, and I, I don't mean to suggest that these are necessarily B-films, but like there is something in that oeuvre that, that draws people in. Um, yeah. And I think that's a little bit of this. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of like, I don't need to know where this guy came from. I kind of get it. Like, it just sort of feels like it's like in our DNA, pop yeah. culture wise. Um, I don't know it definitely requires it definitely requires a lot of suspension of disbelief <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to enjoy these movies. Yes. Uh, you know, especially in that show, a series where just other monsters randomly show up. Sure. It looks like the, that 90s Heisei series was meant to be a little more grounded. So a lot of the creatures he faces, their origins are from Godzilla somehow. Right. Like there's a plant version of Godzilla. There's a mechanical version of Godzilla. There's a space version of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And then the last movie, Destroyer, is also somewhat... <laughs> His, well, he has even, Godzilla DNA. Even the 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 I think it's 2014 film that came out with Brian Cranston, Julia Binoche. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the most grounded. Like that's the Dark Knight of Godzilla films, if you yeah. ask me. Yeah. Um, either that or the either that or the original. The original. I, are, I, are, I would say both pretty grounded. I watched the original, uh, mm-hmm. and I also watched King Kong. Um, in anticipation of watching mm-hmm. Godzilla versus Kong, it's important, you know, to know where these characters came from. Sure, uh, not, sure. It's not really important. I'm kidding. Um, no. <laughs> uh, and the original King Kong is, uh, I mean, the original, sorry, the original Godzilla is a fucking art film. Like, it's yeah. it's an art. It's beautiful. It, it's, I don't know if it's beautiful. It's just, it's, you know. I think it's beautifully made. It, it's, yeah. it's, it, it, you take out the monster stuff and it's basically like a, like a, like a, drama about the inner workings of the Japanese government and how yeah. they deal with this impending attack from this unseeable, unknowable force. But it is a lot of like, it is a lot of like scenes in whatever the Japanese parliament is with people giving speeches mm-hmm. and presentations about what we can do and what we can't do. I mean, I watched the version without Raymond Burr. I don't know how that changes it, but, and it was, it wasn't dubbed. It was subtitled. And uh, it's really it's 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 a it's a heady film, and there are incredibly cool parts in it, with Godzilla coming over the mountains and you seeing this truly mm-hmm. hideous like toxic monster who's going to eat you all like nightmares nightmare fuel mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so I do think that I I I blanch at the idea that you should ever turn your brain off. In a movie, particularly one that that's origins are, you know, this is our 
emotional national response to being attacked with a nuclear bomb. And also, mm-hmm. there. this is very clear in the film, to also being part of a nuclear arms race, to being like, like they're not, like, this is not what I, I, I kind of thought it might be, which is like, you know, this is, poor Japan was, a, which they were, don't get me wrong, poor Japan was attacked mm-hmm. by a nuclear bomb, and we're the ones bearing the brunt. This movie is, we were part of a really fucked up system where we were mm-hmm. testing nuclear bombs, the Allies are testing nuclear bombs. The Germans were testing nuclear bombs. We all share, you know, we all share responsibility for what happened here. Um, yeah. So those origins and, you know, you could I understand the appeal of the, you know, Space Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla and all that stuff. But there's a lot more heady things, a lot headier things in this series than just like monster fights. Right. And I, and yeah, I, I would yeah. also say, just for me at least, uh, B movies in general uh, do need to bring something a little bigger than these are two crazy animals, monsters fighting for them to be worthwhile. And all the best mm-hmm. B movies do Invasion of the Body Snatchers, um, you know, uh, the George Romero movies. Um, they all bring something deeper and scarier and and allegorical that make them classics. As you get bigger and bigger and bigger, like Kong versus Godzilla really is just a fucking monster smackdown. Well, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But because they have the budget to make it a giant big fucking monster smackdown. But the little ones yeah. really are about something deep and traumatic and 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 upsetting um yeah and i would also say i mean i watch Kong king kong too and i'm a king kong we're a king kong house mm-hmm. not to you know not mm-hmm. to go all you know capulets and montague on you yeah sure but uh yeah. but kong is about some shit too kong is about the legacy of slavery so like it's these are about some shit Sorry, go ahead, Phil. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to suge- I don't mean to suggest that B movies or that this series or or any of these films or quite frankly any film for that matter isn't birthed in ideas. You don't you don't mm-hmm. sit down to write something or direct something or make a film. We all know how hard it is to make these things without having something to say. My point, more than anything, is um, that. I don't think a lot of people go to these films for the ideas. That's not to say that subconsciously it isn't there and that there isn't a substance to to what's going on and that people aren't tapping into it in one way or another. But I do think that, you know, it's part of why I think Godzilla versus Kong works outside of, you know, the, the special effects, which I think are are pretty fantastic. But because I think people are going for popcorn entertainment, they want something that, that that does not require them to spend much time thinking about the human condition. They're they're going there because they want to see big things blow up or big animals fight. Right. To some degree. If you, I feel like if you ask me, like what, like Godzilla usually comes with his own commentary, which is right. that humans created this. Right. And right. anytime he comes and destroys a city, it's like you did this to yourself with your hubris right. and scientific testing and stuff. I feel like if you wanted me to subscribe to sort of belief to Godzilla versus Kong, it's that the human humanity is 
divorce. Like there are good humans and then there are bad humans. Like there are like humans that are doing things that are making Godzilla angry and bringing all of these things back down on them. Where this is a spoil. We can talk yes, about yes, spoilers, yes, right? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then there are humans who want Kong, who basically use Kong as a pawn in this yeah. movie. Yeah. And they chain them up and yeah. like airlift them places, but yeah. their hearts are kind of in the right place. <laughs> So it's it's sort just of. kind of like the 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 things human beings are willing to do. To I I, yeah. I guess, and I know this is going to seem like an attack, Phil, but uh, don't take it like an attack. <laughs> I, I promise, I won't. I don't think people ever turn their brains off. I don't think that's a thing, right? Like I think that. But you you literally told me to turn my brain off for like a Bruckheimer movie when we were doing the Bruckheimer series. Well, your brain is different, man. All right, so I no 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 no. <laughs> Your, because your brain was a nitpicking brain. Your brain was a. Your brain was a. How are these things? So I. So all right. I'll, I'll, I'll parse that. Okay. There's suspension of disbelief. All right, which I think is an important thing to have uh, to have while watching any movie. No movie is going to adhere to real life, and that's what I was asking you to do when I said turn your brain off, suspend your disbelief. Um, okay. In terms of turning your brain off, movies don't work unless they work on multiple levels um and and monster movies or sci-fi or horror or any other or anything that's allegorical uh only works if it's undergirded by something that speaks to you as a person uh if it doesn't speak to you as a person it is just it's walking into a fucking you know gym on a random saturday night and seeing two people fight i i that's not like I, for me at least, I don't ever really. I really don't watch sports for the athletic competition. I watch sports for the stories behind it, right? I, and I always have. And like I know, I say this as a wrestling fan who I love wrestling, but like the the actual fight parts are boring as shit to me. It's the stories. I, I think that. So all I'm I, saying I, is, I hear, all I'm saying yeah. is all I'm saying is, and, and I think you know this from pitching and from writing TV, like. All the the whiz bang stuff is just a way to Trojan horse what you really want to do, uh, and I yeah. just just to, we're, we are saying very very close to the same thing. Just to be like, I, and perhaps I'm not being articulate on my end in the sense that I think that when I say turn my brain off, I, I mean what you're talking about in terms of nitpicky. I'm ter- in terms of like being analytical about a film. I think that when someone goes to see a Godzilla film or, I mean, perhaps even a Michael Bay film or any of that sort of these big sort of, you know, what have you. I agree with you. Character is everything, right? The only reason that Godzilla versus Kong works is because you care about these two creatures. And if you don't, then there's no fucking point. And if, and the the film just doesn't work. But I'm speaking more to sort of this idea of when I go to see a film like that, I am, I am turning off a part of my brain that is thinking about, you know, Thesis statements or structure or, you know, storytelling for all, for all intents and purposes. I'm, I'm really what's just trying to see something for the spectacle of it. And the fun I feel like the, the, the best example, I feel like the best, the example I use to, when people talk about this stuff is the movie yeah. Face Off. 
Sure. You either buy the premise yeah, 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 that yeah. you can swap face. Like you could nitpick this. Oh, the there's organ rejection. Yeah. Like, oh, their voices are identical. <laughs> you know, it's like you could nitpick that thing to yeah. death. You just have to buy that piece yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's not like Nicolas Cage grows wings halfway through the movie that yeah. required you to turn your, like everything after that big buy, I guess you call it the big, big buy. buy. There's yeah. a big buy for yeah. every movie. Yeah. And once you buy that big buy, everything else after oh, that, yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Like, there's a Godzilla movie in '93 called Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2. I, it's called that because there's one, another one in the show series mm-hmm. called that, but it's really just Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, where off screen somebody went to Cong- Japanese Congress and said, uh, Yes, I think we should spend $6 billion uh, building a robot Godzilla. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they do it. Japan builds this giant robot. You have to buy that they're willing to do that. And then everything else after that kind of you know nothing else like strange credulity yeah big premises are the best like big premises and 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 i I agree and that is you you have to watch movies by 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 accepting what they're what you're what you're given in the first act that's the game right that's the game in terms of the the beauty that you're talking about phil is there is a beauty to a movie that can say don't think about the stuff you think about when you watch a movie. Because mm-hmm. it's there. Mm-hmm. It's all there. Totally. The movie totally. wouldn't work unless it had all that stuff. You would, you for, sure, would be, for sure. You would hate it. Um, yeah. But there's no dumb, there's no dumber way to kill Cary Grant than with a biplane in a cornfield. Like so if your dumb. mission was to kill Cary Grant, it's like just have a guy with a knife in the cornfield. Just have a guy with a knife. You just stab him. But like when you're in the movie and you're in the moment, you're not asking that question because what's happening is so. Why weird. did they do that? That's so stupid. I have no idea. Have a guy with a knife. It's the definition. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. no. Can instead, I? let's get a let's get a plane. Let's get a runway. Let's get some fuel. Let's get. It doesn't make you know, a lot guns. of sense, but it, it, it is a lot sense. of fun. Yeah, Can it's I, definitely um, fun when you're watching it. I'm going to give a little bit of context, just a quick synopsis for people that have not seen Godzilla 2000. Uh, I love, this is a ridiculous Google synopsis. It has razor sharp (laughs) teeth in a gargantuan mouth, claws that can cut through steel, a roar that echoes back through the centuries, dorsal fins that resemble crimson lightning bolts, and fiery breath that that incinerates everything it comes in contact with. Soon, all in the creature's wake is utterly destroyed, and a terrified Japan can only wonder where this monstrous beast will appear next. Godzilla. King of the Monsters is back. <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, Godzilla awesome. 2000 screened at the Tokyo International Film Festival on November 9th, 1999. It then was uh, released around the world throughout 2000. It would end up making around $30 million worldwide. Uh, Sony's TriStar Pictures licensed Godzilla 2000, which is such a like, they're like, well, I mean, ours sucked, but we'll buy yours and distribute it overseas. Anyway, um, Sony spent approximately $300,000 to acquire the film, around $1 oh. million to re-edit and dub the film in English, and under $10 million in print and advertising. For doing so, TriStar hoped that the film would gross no worse than 12 to $15 million in North American theaters. It eventually only grossed $10 million in North American theaters. It's got 57% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 54% from audiences. The Houston Chronicle said the film taps into a now rare and innocent sense of wonder and its action scenes are well-conceived, summarizing it as a lovable, amusing foray into vapid plotting, bad dubbing, and men in rubber suits trashing miniature sets. Entertainment Weekly gave the film a B grade, saying Godzilla 2000 lands on an an imaginative fault line somewhere between tackiness and awe. Boston Globe said Godzilla 2000 is a ton of fun. 
Um, Slate said, it's fun to see. It still manages to dispel some of the lingering stink of Roland Emmerich's 1998 remake. And the New York Times said, only a diehard fan of the long-running Japanese Godzilla series could love Godzilla 2000. Um, Can we talk about the dubbing for a second? Because the dubbing is insane. I, yeah. I it, it is, but part of the charm of it mm-hmm. is how badly dubbed it is. Would you I mean, it's, it's just, it's kind of tough to dub a movie well. I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah, like, fair really, it, yes. what I will say, what I will give them credit for is changing some of the dialogue to make it more appeal, appealing to American audiences. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they used like phrases like crap through a goose. <laughs> uh, they That's have the best. That, uh, they have the, yeah, they have the, the reporter woman says, bite me, which they don't really say in Japan. You know, there's even a point where a guy sees an alien and he goes, gotten himmel. Like, why is a Japanese guy saying <laughs> gotten himmel? You know, so they took, I will give them credit for that. They took some swings. It's like, if you think this is bad, then you're, sure if the, you watch yeah. another guy, there are really, really bad. This is actually a, a noble effort <laughs> Do you, to try I, I, I wanted to to ask you about the budget in comparison to to previous Godzilla films because again I, I I have not seen many of the originals so I, I apologize on that front. I appreciated and enjoyed the budget of this one. It felt a little bit like one foot in the past, a little bit of a foot in the in the present, just based yeah. on some of the effects. And um, I thought it was really well shot like it, you can tell that someone with vision actually made this film despite the yeah. fact that you know it might be quote unquote cheesy mm-hmm. it's it's very well lensed it looks really cool um there's some you know the the first time that Godzilla shows up and and they're like the car and they're going backwards that mm-hmm. whole you know chasing is is really well done um so how does it compare effects wise to sort of earlier Godzilla films the the movie definitely for me gets an A for effort. They were definitely trying to do things other Godzilla movies hadn't done. They did a lot more Godzilla with a green screen behind him than like building all the miniature sets. They right. clearly did that. They built all the miniature sets. Sort of an interesting thing about that too is this might be the first time Japan shrunk Godzilla. Like right. his last appearance, he was like 110 meters tall. This time they reduced him in half to like 55 mm-hmm. meters. Because when you do that, you can build your sets more detailed. Right, right. And they look more real. Uh, and, you know, obviously there's some a lot of CG shots of the alien. They use CG for a lot more things than they normally do. Right. Like even that shot of all the helicopters coming out <laughs> over the horizon to try and attack Godzilla. It's also, I believe, the first... Japanese Godzilla movie where there's a completely CGI shot of Godzilla. There's just one of him swimming through the ocean. Look cool, though. And it looked cool. It, it looked cool. I mean, it doesn't really stand up <laughs> to VFX today. Uh, I think they spent a little bit more money uh, on this. Sadly, I don't think it was just had sort of a middling box office in Japan. Yeah, it didn't. I, it I, didn't do great. Do you yeah, think that it, this is? There's a lot of UFO stuff in this movie. There, there, mm-hmm, there is sure. a, there's arguably more UFO stuff than there is Godzilla stuff in this film. Yeah, that's a um, that's a big problem with this movie. I mean, the thing, that, <laughs> the, thing I, the, the thing I kept feeling was more Godzilla, more Godzilla. <laughs> like, especially yeah. I would imagine yeah, yeah, yeah. for people in Japan, they've waited quite a while for Godzilla, and there's yeah. not a lot of Godzilla. 
It's yeah. funny because at least this movie starts off Godzilla-centric. It's all about the Godzilla Prediction Network, and it's about where is Godzilla, how do we contain him? Like, there are other Godzilla movies where he just kind of strolls through his own movie. When, when you know, it's like, start with the notion of the Godzilla Prediction Network? Uh, that's the first time it appears is in oh, this really? movie. Oh, really? I love the, the Godzilla Prediction yeah. Network. I do, yeah. too. That's I wish we had thing. Well, I, 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 can I ask you guys a question, uh, an aside that sure. I wanted to ask? Yeah. Okay. In Godzilla versus Kong and the Godzilla verse and the Kong verse and all these monster verse things, you they live in a world where monsters exist. They come from Hollow Earth and they come out and they eat us or whatever. Yeah. Sure. And it's just that's just life. They have prediction networks, they contain Kong, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Can you think of anything in real life that is as crazy as that? That's just a crazy thing that has happened in real life. That's just that that's like that we just that we just accept, you know, like occasionally a Godzilla will come. Now, now I understand how ludicrous this question seems on its face. Nothing is as crazy as Godzilla or King Kong, you would think. But I will posit. I think the chameleon's really crazy. I think it's really crazy (laughs) that there's an animal that if you put him on a brown leaf, is brown. If you put a, if you yeah. put him on something striped, becomes striped. That's fucking yeah. crazy to me. It's crazy. I, and I, I mean, I think I, the platypus is pretty ridiculous. That's platypus pretty ridiculous is crazy. Another animal. Yeah. I think all yeah. these animals that like that, that that do these things that they're the only animals that do it. Yeah, it's just crazy yeah. to me. Like the chameleon. Of I think it's crazy that the kangaroos put like a baby in their, in their pouch. In their, like yeah. they have a pouch. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of marsupials do. That's that's. That's not that crazy. It's weird. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. But I think, like you know, I, I think skunks are fucking crazy. They just they they yeah, yeah, yeah. you. But you guys, possums are I, pretty crazy. Is there anything that's just cool? But any like any event in world history oh, that's just like I can't fucking believe that happened on some street. Donald Trump's election. Fucking crazy. <laughs> I think that uh, honestly, I think tornadoes might be. The you know, that, that's that's the cool. kind of shit I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah. Like it's like it comes out of nowhere. It can destroy your city, yep. and it's air. Like it's yeah. like it's 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 yeah. what we breathe to survive. And perfect and like cones. It, they're like these. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're kind of beautiful yeah. in a weird way. Like in the Wizard of Oz, it's like kind Tornado's of a really a cool great effect actor. to see that yeah. tornado in the in the back. Also, just maybe. I mean, not to get too political, but COVID. COVID obviously is like, yeah. feels like it's a. But it's yeah. a crazy it's thing like, that took over our country. Like those volcanoes things. are pretty cool. Volcanoes, yeah, volcanoes. Yeah, like the like mountains that shoot fucking fucking, fucking liquid lava. fire at you. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. those are the things I'm talking about. Tornadoes, volcanoes. I think these are things we would invent if they didn't actually yes. exist. Yes. You know? Yes. Which is which is funny because I feel like the main character in Godzilla 2000 doesn't see Godzilla as like a mo- like he sees it as a natural occurring well, event that we just need to avoid and predict and get out of its way. Like trying to kill it is futile. Well, the reason I bring it up is because you guys ever played the game? There's no question you both have. SimCity? Hmm. Sure. I have, n- I have not actually. You, like wow. the old SimCity when yeah. you were a child? I don't remember playing. I played more like shoot 'em up games when I was a kid. So I, I can. Uh, I, 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 Sim City is this. You build a sim, simulated city, mm-hmm. and you just try to run it. You know, just normal. Yeah. And then when you've got it up and running, uh, and things seem to be going pretty well, one of seven natural disasters can befall you, 
And these are mm-hmm. these are tidal waves, and these are earthquakes, and these are tornadoes or hurricanes, and also a monster attack. And it's treated in the game as just one of the seven things that can fuck your city up. So I do think that I think that tornado is a really interesting one. Volcano is a really interesting one. I do think these are the kind of things that uh, that that can maybe kind of come close to uh, to to simulating what it's like to be under attack by Ego Chira. I think I think there are always characters in a Godzilla movie who see that the military's attempt it's like trying to fight a tornado. You don't fight a tornado. Right. You just evacuate the area and you get right. out of its way and hope it goes back out to the ocean. Like there are characters but then there are always characters that are like this thing is destructive and it's killing people, so let's try and kill it. And it's just like sort of that debate of who's right. It's interesting. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> it's 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 a great question, Kenny, because it's not what I've ever really thought about. But now that I think about these natural disasters, they really just are insane. Like they're they're crazy. They're they're as crazy as a monster attack because that's kind of what they are, yeah. right? Totally. So you it's know, Mother Nature. Yeah, it's yeah. It's funny. It's not the question I thought you were going to ask. I thought you were going to ask. The, the, I feel like a question a lot of people ask is, "Why does anyone live in Japan?" Well, the, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like sure, once sure. once a year. It, there's a point where once a year a giant monster comes and destroys a city. But it's the same reason. It's like why do the people stay in high school in Buffy the Vampire? Right. Like someone sure. dies every week in Sunnydale. <laughs> sure, and so. we see this thing, those things in real life all the time, right? Like why would anybody live yeah. in Alaska? Mm-hmm. That seems crazy to me, but people do. Yeah, because uh, that's where their parents, mm-hmm. that's where their families are. That's where they're comfortable. And uh, you know, I think yeah. people in other countries say, why would anyone live in America where there's a mass shooting every fucking mm-hmm. day? You know, which is a pretty good question. I don't, that mm-hmm. stuff, you know, whatever. I don't feel that way at all. I do, but I do think that, I think that. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Uh, it's interesting to me that Godzilla, even more so than King Kong, has uh, perpetuated and persevered throughout the culture for the last 70 years. In a way, it's mm-hmm. not as if there's a dearth of monster movies and giant monster movies and ones that didn't come from Japan and monster um, you know, uh, tall tales and, and all these kind of mm-hmm. things for for. For years and years and years, and why is it Godzilla that has persevered? And I would posit it's because he really is a manifestation of of our fears of the uncontrollable 
and mm-hmm. our fears of what we have the 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 unseeable and knowable facts or or consequences of what we have done to the environment to our animals you know in pursuit of winning wars or having yeah. you know cheaper energy whatever it is so i i i do i do and will always think that 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 godzilla's and I think this is true for all these things, that Godzilla's prominence is not an accident. It's not just let's make a giant lizard, you know? Yeah. He's also a symbol. That's the thing about Godzilla. Whether you think he's a symbol of nuclear power run amok, he's also just a symbol of Japan, you know? Like, and he's even entered the pop culture here. Like, you see Godzilla wannabes in American commercials and stuff. He actually played Charles Barkley in basketball. Sure. <laughs> and I think in a series of, like, Dr. Pepper commercials and stuff like that. He's just a symbol of power and Japan and nuclear radiation. I think he means different things to different people. And, like, and also because he's this symbol of this country, this country's going to always try and keep Godzilla out now, there. I wanna, I, They're going to always wanna, try and keep Godzilla part wait, of the culture. One more point about Godzilla that I think is really interesting. You, you alluded to this earlier on, but it, it goes all the way up until this current film. The idea that Godzilla at some point crosses over from bad guy to good guy. At some point, mm-hmm. Godzilla stops being a destroyer and starts being a protector. Now he still destroys, but ultimately he protects. The beginning of Godzilla right. versus Kong, there's a CNN breaking uh, breaking news alert, which is Godzilla's no longer friendly. Like yeah. Godzilla's no longer on our side. What the fuck? He's gone rogue. He's gone rogue. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like they didn't happen. It didn't happen to the Watchmen. But like the biggest fear of all is like, what if Doctor Manhattan turns bad? Like then we're yeah. fucked. Yeah. So that kind of that's happened right. with Godzilla in the beginning. And that's interesting to me, too, that for a very long time, and it's clear in this movie, too, that Godzilla in Godzilla 2000, that Godzilla is a protector. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting to me that, like, there is this push and pull between, you know, G- Godzilla came from kind of, you know, uh, not great circumstances. But like, I think we can maybe hone this and maybe use it to our advantage. And maybe like he becomes our asshole. Maybe he becomes our nuclear bomb. Maybe he becomes the guy who protects us. And I, I, I think that's kind of an interesting way of 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 looking at this with the progression of nuclear power. Obviously, Japan is you know a nuclear country in terms of how they get their energy. They've had reactor fallout, they have meltdowns. They've had horrible fallouts from that. Um, the 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 idea that you can corral something like this, and I'm not. I'm also not someone who sits here and is like nuclear energy is bad. I don't really think nuclear mm-hmm. energy is bad. I think nuclear energy yeah. in general is like really kind of good. It's really clean mm-hmm. and generally really safe. So like I I I think this is really I I'm, I am on that like kind of tip where I'm like I I think that maybe Godzilla you know maybe 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 we can, we can hone this. But maybe I'm an idiot. Am I, am I an idiot? Am I like setting us up for disaster? I feel like Kong is easier to try and control because he has a, a connection usually with a human yes. in his movies. Godzilla's really more of the rebel. Like in this in movie, Godzilla versus Kong, he's clearly the badass in the movie. Oh, yeah. The humans are clearly more scared of Godzilla than they are of Kong because Kong has this relationship with that adorable little girl and it gives them some semblance of at least they can communicate. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it also feels like Kong has sort of. I watched the first King Kong for the first time for um, this AFI club that I do with friends, and 
Kong in that film is a lot more of a straight up villain. If if there, mm-hmm. I mean, or at least for the mo- more so in the sense that his re- he doesn't have the emotional relationship with Anne Darrow that he has in in future Kong films. Um, he literally eats people. Good in good. Came into his fucking right. Skull Island. I'm not. I'm. I'm not suggesting that the humans are good in the film, Kenny, or that he's not justified in his anger. I'm just saying that he is a little bit more. Um, he's certainly more violent in terms of the way that he is towards humans, and it, it feels like Kong has softened over the films, the way that they perceive him and the way that we use him, and he's much more of a sort of quote unquote good guy. Than Godzilla, I, I, who's I, just more of an expert. I disagree with this. I think that's so hard, dude. I mean, this, okay. this story is told from the perspective of Anne. She has a connection with King Kong. His not in the first one. Every move he makes is to protect her. Every move. It's not. To, <coughs> she's terrified of him through the entire film. I understand. She has no emotional connection to him whatsoever. I understand, but but but. Compare her to Naomi Watts in the Peter Jackson film. I don't, and you see how Andero in that film is someone who starts off as scared, under starts to understand who Kong is about midway through the film, and it becomes about her trying why, to ultimately but, but, protect but, but him. But a serious question: later. Like, why would I care about Andero's point of view when I'm confident that throughout he never hurts her? He only wants to protect her. He is protecting her, and you are absolutely. King Kong's a tragedy. You're absolutely supposed to feel uh, like they killed something beautiful and they killed something innocent uh, for no reason. Like I, I think he's definitely he's definitely a tragic character. At the heart of it, he's lonely. That's the thing. Is he's that he's lonely? And he likes having he likes having. He's definitely an adversary. Like Phil is saying, like. He's the thing that stands between what the the human heroes want. They want to get Andaro back, and he's the thing that stands in the way of that. I, so they're, yeah. and they're definitely and he definitely kills people. Like they're on a log, and he's like spinning the log. And he's, I and, mean, listen, he's he's he also, obviously he also King Kong is a tragic figure. I'm not trying to kill I'm, her. I'm, I'm yeah, not, I think at the end of the day, it stems from him being lonely. Though that's what makes him this tragic thing is that he wants to protect this person, so he won't be. Lonely. He wants to protect the ball. right. There's there's. Yeah. Sure, I agree with all of that. I, I'm not suggesting that Kong isn't isn't tragic or that there isn't layers to the character. I think that ultimately those layers and that sort of quote unquote humanity or however you want to associate it, um, I think is what has made Kong a lasting character. Um, I think that in comparison to Godzilla, who is more of an X factor, who kind of kills indiscriminately for all intents and purposes, it is just he's. He's just a little bit more binary, I guess, there's, in a way that I don't know that the big con there, is. Yes, I agree with that. But there's a whole there, there's there's a big difference between these two characters, at least in the beginning. I agree. Kong really is an uncontrollable force of nature. He is not. Yeah. A, I'm not sorry. Godzilla is an uncontrollable force of nature. He is not a character. He is the dilemma. What do we do with yeah. Kong? What do we do with Godzilla? Sure. Sure. Kong is the protagonist of the movie. Like Kong is the one you live and die with. Kong is the one you feel bad for. Kong is the one who you, who you can kind of understand where he's coming from. They came into his home. They, uh, they brought a vulnerable person into his world that they don't understand. He's the only one who can protect her from monsters, 
from, you know, the very un-PC native population. He's the only one who cares about her. The fucking movie people just want to use her and don't even tell her where she's going. Then they go back. He's in fucking chains. I mean, again, I think this is a slavery allegory. And the, I had never in my life seen the shot until I watched this movie of Kong hitting every fucking rung yeah. down the it's ladder. Brutal. It's brutal. Of course. It's that, that is not the death you give to your villain. That's mm-hmm. a death you give to your hero. And that's what he was. He was I'm, a hero. I, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm truly not disputing any of this with you. I'm just saying that in the first King Kong film, he is having, having watched it with five other people and us all having the same reaction to being surprised by how violent Kong is in the film and, and how that has evolved over the years in terms of the Kong character. That's all I'm saying. He's, in a, in a, I'm not in saying a that his way. violence is not warranted. I'm just saying that it's just a slightly He's different still a version violent of Kong guy. in that first film. He literally it feels punches like, Godzilla in the face. But all right, go ahead. But I will say in the original, the coin flips. There's a point where he's the most powerful thing on the island, but then he's in chains for the second half of the movie. Sure. That's where he becomes more of the sympathetic hero. Like, even though he did all these things, like, when you see him in chains on that stage in the original, you're like, this is awful. It's awful. And anything he does after that, I was like, you humans brought this on yourself. I I know that it's, it's very dicey to compare a giant ape man, ape to human slaves. But sure. this is about someone who ruled his homeland, was unceremoniously yeah. taken from that place by white people in chains, put up in yeah. front of a bunch of other white people on a stage for money, and then had the gall to escape, and then was killed for it. It's, it, is the, the, it is the most clear slave metaphor of all time, and I don't think... Anybody cares that he ate a couple of these fucking colonizers. That's it. Anyway. I mean, it, it's, but it's an issue with Godzilla versus Kong is that, like I said, Godzilla is a symbol. That's why you're not really in his point of view for very mm-hmm. much of that movie. There's right. a reason the audience puts you in Kong's point of view for a lot more of the movie because he is sympathetic. He is empathetic. He does have a connection with humans and he even has human facial expressions, you know, there's, there, through yeah, the movie. There's a, there's a depth and, and, and a history to this character that, that Godzilla, a different one at the very least. I, I, I think that... Um, in, in Godzilla versus Kong, I mean, truthfully, it's probably like 70% Kong and 30% yeah. Godzilla, um, something along those lines. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I enjoyed the film. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought the action, I thought the last 30, 40 minutes of it were just gorgeous action, special effects that I haven't seen. And I wish I saw them on the big screen. I mean, um, I, I really liked it because it righted a great wrong for Godzilla fans. What's that? <laughs> Which is that in the 60s version, King Kong wins. King Kong wins. Of course, fight. of course. Uh, and uh, I love this movie that they basically fight twice and Godzilla wins both times. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> they, I, know, I know there's a scene where they say, oh, that round goes to Kong. And I'm like, no, it didn't. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I think that um, I, I would argue that Kong certainly... Uh, gives him a good a good run for his money in the Definitely. middle there. Definitely. Um, it was a and draw. They, they give him an axe that was the movie. It was so a that, draw. So that 
Yeah, I mean, they got to give him a weapon, and they give him this this kind of cool axe, sort of like Thor's hammer, I guess, sort of. Um, I actually yeah. think it's meant to be one of Godzilla's fins, like that oh, really? jagged piece, I think, possibly. Okay. His yeah. fins are amazing. His fins are amazing. I, I thought, I mean, just the, just the, like, the whole, like, neon color palette of the the cityscape when they're fighting in this i do love that that godzilla at one point uh when he puts his foot on him and it's basically like a stay down stay like down, you're fucking yeah. done yeah uh is great um i thought mecha godzilla looked really great in this as well um but but to to to, to pivot back to godzilla 2000 real quick there's not a ton of mm-hmm. plot really i mean there's like a fucking ufo that comes to town and <laughs> and godzilla has to beat the ufo the ufo kind of turns into orga at the end the last like twenty minutes of this film are are the goods because like that's kind mm-hmm. of what I was looking forward to, which is like he's got to fight the UFO, then he's got to fight Orga, and by fight I mean crawl inside him and blow him up from the inside. Um, all that stuff is fucking great. It's a little, and I think Kenny kind of was circling this earlier. It's a little too UFO heavy for like the first forty minutes or so. Yeah, you really just wish there was more Godzilla. But w- what are your sort of thoughts on on Godzilla two thousand and how it sort of fits into the, the so oeuvre? For me, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it's hard for me to not find this movie charming. First sure. of all, it's only the third Godzilla movie at the time it came out. It was the only only the third Godzilla movie I'd seen on a giant screen. Like I had oh, seen okay. Godzilla in nineteen eighty five had come out, and then there was the TriStar, Matthew Broderick one, and then this one. And a funny thing that people always make sort of make fun of the effects, like, oh, they built those cardboard buildings. I think something people don't grasp is when you see it on a giant screen, it's actually a lot more believable. Really? The effect is sells a lot more. It's not still not 100% like the legendary movies, but it works a lot, a lot better. And I mean, I loved it because it was also a return. Clearly, this movie was meant to be, <laughs> let's reinvigorate our brand. Let's right. remind people what Godzilla is. In a kind of funny thing, uh, Godzilla in his movies is new, normally black or gray or charcoal gray. Mm-hmm. But for some reason in the pop culture, he exists as green. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at the Hanna-Barbera cartoon from the 80s, uh, he's emerald green. So it's a, like a weird thing. And this is the first time I think Toho ever said, let's go into that. Let's actually right. make them kind of green because we're trying to remind people about the Godzilla that's in their heads mm-hmm. that they love. Mm-hmm. You know, so that part of it, you know, I loved. And uh, I also a little bit understand why they were a little more in the UFO centric part because Godzilla's existed in like 20 other movies. I think right. they're operating a little bit from the point of view. It's like, look, the audience knows what Godzilla is about and we need to explain how he, this adversary can defeat him. You know, basically the funny thing about Orga is they never say his name in the American cut of the movie. I, know. I only learned it from merchandising. I only learned it from Wikipedia. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And the funny thing is even the reason he's called that is cut from the movie because in the Japanese cut, that protein that the monster's always searching for is called Organizer G1. So they call him Orga because of that. But even in the American version of it, they call it Regenerator yeah. G1. So they don't even get into why it would be called uh, Orga. Yeah, because but- the U- so the UFO is trying to copy – Godzilla's DNA because yeah. of his ability to, to regenerate. Yeah. Um, and that manifests itself as Orga, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Basically, it's the strongest creature on Earth, so why not 
copy it. And it has the thing that I need to let me exist on this planet. Sure. You know, but it's Um, funny because the movie has a very, like I said, there's that Heisei era. mm -hmm. It, it adheres to that formula kind of closely. You would think, Oh, we're rebooting Godzilla. We're launching a whole new franchise. You might try something a little more daring, but I think they saw the TriStar one as that, that it got too far away from what Godzilla is, but it's like Godzilla appears. He's a threat. But then a worse threat shows up and Godzilla demolishes it for us. One of the scenes that I loved early on was when Godzilla is attacking that village. Mm -hmm. And you see him like coming down the street and all the people. I mean, I I know it's such a classic Godzilla image, but Mm -hmm. it just just looks fucking great. Like it's so iconic. um, And and I I thought that was great. Fight the, the Godzilla underwater, fighting the monster underwater looked pretty. Like it's not as though there isn't a, a fair amount of Godzilla kind of sprinkled throughout the early hour of the film, but it's mm-hmm. really sort of once you get into the meat of it at the end when he's really sort of fighting these creatures. But yeah. there's a great shot of the UFO on top of the skyscraper with all that like billowing smoke, and then like that's I think one of the best shots in the movie. It's a great, they, yeah, it's a great yeah, shot. yeah. And has sort of a red background too, yeah, which you beautiful. don't really see yeah. in yeah. Godzilla. The UFO movies. really just kind of looks like a. Bike seat to me. Anyone else? <laughs> I think yeah, I think yeah. bike seat and bedpan are what bed most pan. people say. Or the, the, or the, or the Chicago bean. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, 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 yes. Bedpan. I, I do. Jerks. So one of My the mind cool never things, goes there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of the cool things at the near the end when the fight is sort of evolving is these tentacles that the UFO kind of disperses yeah. and you have like Godzilla fighting these tentacles. Mm-hmm. It had a very kind of uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space kind of like a little Ed Woody in terms of yeah. like him sort of fighting all of these tentacles. Um, and then like, so the UFO clones Godzilla's DNA and he becomes this Orga thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Godzilla breaks free and sets Orga ablaze with his atomic breath. But Orga re-emerges, essentially unhinges his jaw, its jaw, if you will, and then just sort of swallows it, but sort of like slowly and incrementally in a way that that I loved, but made me kind of think of like Little Shop of Horrors. Like it kind of, it felt like Audrey 2 opening up its mouth to like... Uh, which I love, obviously. I hate to say it, when I saw it in the theaters, yeah. it was hard not to see something somewhat sexual going on. I thought it was you pretty think? sexual. Between the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, I can take all you got, and Godzilla's like, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I thought it was and then he kills yeah. him. Sexual. It's, yeah. It's also a rookie move on Orga's part. Like, you know that yeah. Godzilla's going to blow you up from the inside. That's like, right. you got to, I mean, what do what, what, you, what, anyway. I think Orga's thinking is, if I can just get enough of his DNA fast enough, I'll be powerful, I'll be powerful enough to resist whatever that, that is. Did that not happen? Yeah. Did he, what happens in the next one? You can blow it for us. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the next one, no, Orga's done for good oh, yeah. <laughs> in this movie. I have to say, it's not my favorite design of one of his enemies. Yeah. Yeah. So, it did look like you could just like tip so him what over. So what you are your favorite enemies? Yeah. Who are the guys or, uh, the, or so the ladies? My favorite Godzilla. Hmm. My favorite enemy is probably this guy named Gigan. You mentioned sure. him earlier. Gigan. He's like these hook hands and, and buzzsaw chest, which always made him very scary and cool. <laughs> Mechagodzilla's always been the one that sort of, I felt, got the closest to killing Godzilla. Like, 
on screen. So I'd say those two are my favorite. And then like King Ghidra, of course, or King Ghidorah, as he called now, uh, he's really scary too. So I would say those are like my top three. Those are the ones that can give Godzilla a run for his money. Mechagodzilla you know, is fucking him. dope. It's yeah. really dope. Yeah. Um, oh, there's and one he also showed thing. up in Ready Player One. If you want to see a different one, he's in Ready Player One. I'm sure he's going to show up in Space Jam. <laughs> oh, King, King, King Ghidorah is the one with the three heads. Yeah. All right. So talk, uh, talk to me a little bit about Mothra. Uh, okay. <laughs> what do I need, Mothra what do I need is, to know about Mothra? Mothra is the third big giant uh, monster movie Toho made. Godzilla was the first. Rodan was the first oh, yeah, one they Rodan, made in color. Yes. And then Mothra is the third one. And Mothra is very different from the other ones because, again, she, she's, she's mom. Mothra is typically referred to as female, is linked to two humans. So she is more sympathetic. She has more of a connection to people. And what she does, she doesn't do out of destruction. It's not a meant to, like, punish humankind. You know, in the first movie, yes, because they kidnap the two little girls and Mothra right, is right. just trying to rescue the two, the two twins. They're not little girls. They're, like, grown-up, shrunk twins. And so Mothra's always been sort of always the good guy. Mothra is the, the, the hero of the movies. The movie where Godzilla becomes a superhero, which is the next one after, uh, it's after uh, Godzilla, Mothra versus Godzilla, where Mothra, mm-hmm. three different kinds of Mothra defeat Godzilla. The next one is called Ghidra, the three-headed monster, or Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. Sure. Mothra is the one that goes to Godzilla and Rodan and says, hey, we all need to work together to fight this three-headed monster. This three-headed monster will not just destroy all the humans, but it'll destroy all of us. So the three of us all have to work together. And Godzilla and Rodan say, no, we're not going to help these humans. All they do is shoot missiles at us. Why should we help? So Mothra in the worm form, the larva form, goes to fight King Ghidra by itself and gets its butt kicked. And when Godzilla and Rodan see Mothra's bravery over facing this monster alone, that's when they join the fight and take out Ghidra. So Mothra is this important character. In the Heisei series, Godzilla versus Mothra is the highest attended one. I think uh, because Mothra has a little more appeal for women. I think, you know, women and little girls find Mothra more interesting than Godzilla. I think these are all fucking sweet. Yeah. yeah, I think they're all awesome. <laughs> um, uh, so can I ask a, uh, a quick thing? In the last Godzilla film, previous to Godzilla vs. Kong, which is Godzilla King of the Monsters, mm-hmm. which I have not seen, did not hear great things about, a lot of these monsters appear in this film, correct? Yeah, they're all in it. Um, King Ghidra, Rodan, Mothra, and then there are all these other just random titans that show up in Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um what were your thoughts? Did you enjoy this this Godzilla film? It was it was kind of a funny thing because it really felt like a Japanese Godzilla movie made with American money, basically. Right, right, right. Like it was like we have a machine that lets us control monsters, which brings all these monsters onto the playing field, and right. they kind of fight each other. Right. You know, uh, I enjoyed. It. I liked seeing. Uh, there were two things I loved about it. I love seeing CG versions of all the famous monsters like Rodan and Mothra and King Ghidra, like we'd seen Godzilla already. And it's the first American Godzilla movie where they use pieces of the Japanese theme of okay. Godzilla. So there's this famous Godzilla composer. His name's Akira Fukube. Forgive me if I'm butchering that name. His scores are always the best and they've always used his Godzilla theme in other Godzilla movies. And I remember sitting in the theater for, theater for Godzilla King of the Monsters where they play his theme in it. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. 
<laughs> I love it. I love seeing this. Um, so at the end of this film, there's a really great moment, I think, where the villain, uh, Mitsu, Mitsu, um, is standing in front of Godzilla and he just screams Godzilla into yeah. his face before he kills him, which I just feel is yeah. just, I don't know. I think his name is, I think his name is Katagiri, actually. Oh my, his first name is Mitsu, I believe. Oh, Mitsu, okay. Yeah. I only remember them calling him Katagiri in the movie. He, I have yeah. to say, he's a very, you know, typically in Godzilla movies, the human characters aren't the most interesting yeah. thing in them, especially when you're a little kid, you're like, just get back to the monsters. Yeah. I feel like Katagiri was actually one of the I more agree. interesting human characters in yep. Godzilla. He's Javert. He's Javert for Les, Les Miserables, yeah. you know? like I thought, spends- I thought him and, and the, the, I guess it's the father character, like the reporter, mm-hmm. I, I I liked him too. Like I actually did feel like those characters were were pretty well drawn, all things considered. Yeah, Shinoda um, Shinoda's a great hero. He's appeared in like maybe two other Godzilla movies. This is the first time he was the lead in a movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. The interesting thing about him is his American dubbed voice mm-hmm. is if you're a fan of Lost. Whenever they would find a new facility in Lost, there'd be an orientation yeah. film with yes. a Japanese yeah. guy. Yeah, the Dharma That's Initiative. His, yeah. yeah, the Dharma yeah, Initiative. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Richard Camb- Candle. Something no, like that. He always, yeah. had, a, He's the he always had a different He's... name that was uh, candle related. I love that guy. That's that right. guy's name is like Francois something. He has a French. Francois Chow. Chow Francois Chow, yeah. And. And I think he's the American voice of Shinoda. And I didn't realize that until I recently watched Raya and the Last Dragon because I was like, that's the voice of Shinoda from Godzilla 2000. And so I went and looked him up. I was like, oh, it's that guy. Cool. That's amazing. I also, you know, this will sort of, this speaks to to, to Kenny's thesis about sort of all of these films to some degree or another. But um, I do love at the end of the film, they're standing on the roof and uh, they're reminiscing about how Godzilla was wrought on by human ambition and what have you, and which prompts. Uh, what, what am I looking at a picture of? Oh, Francois! Oh, that's amazing. That's the first. That's dope. That is that's the Kenny. first picture I have on my phone, taken in two thousand and nine. That's amazing. When he auditioned for Entourage, and it's the only time I have ever taken a picture with a celebrity. Cool. I don't. I, I don't do that. I love but that. I, I had to because I was so lost, obsessed. And it was me That's and, so cool. and Erica Harrell, who is a who is a TV writer as well, uh, very talented person. That's amazing. And we were obsessed. Nice. Um, so Shinoda is standing on the roof, and he suggests that Godzilla exists in us as yeah. Godzilla begins rampaging through Tokyo, <laughs> which is a much maligned line among Godzilla fans. Yeah, really? Godzilla fans. Like I remember in the theater, everyone was like, "What?" <laughs> you know? Interesting. Yeah, people just don't want to look inwards when it comes to their inner yeah, Godzilla. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. I, the fun, I, I think like, he's right. Interesting. I think he, I know. I, I, I think the fans are. I think the fans are right. I don't think Godzilla does exist within us. I think it exists <laughs> without us. <laughs> I, 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 when I was in the theaters, I couldn't help but feel like you're trying to attach a meaning to this that maybe your movie didn't right. fully get across. So the funny, uh, the funny thing is, like they, you're right, they do a lot of philosophizing at the end. And but I will say the ending, while very different from other Godzilla movies, Godzilla normally wades out to the water after killing the enemy, but in this one, he stays and continues burning Japan down. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel like this negates. This negates a lot of the points you guys are making. Like you're trying to say that, like, why does he protect us? I'm like, but he's not. <laughs> like he's burning. Down. Like he no, just I, came to burn yeah. stuff down. There's you know? something. I mean, I I love that they try to attach this philosophy to it. They say Godzilla exists in all of us, and then you cut to Godzilla just basically being 
book all of this. <laughs> That's like, right. It's, which maybe does speak to us the way we see it. Like our destructive nature does to some degree or another, you know. Yeah, we do true. destroy We do destroy yeah. the things look we build at, and stuff. Look at I don't the other finding some deeper meaning in a <laughs> <the> movie. <laughs> I never said there wasn't any meaning in these movies, dude. Okay. Well, the, you know right, what's right, right. what's sad is you you would you would only learn this if you watch the theatrical cut. They actually cut it in the American yeah. Blu-ray cut. Is it had the worst title end card at the end of a movie you've ever seen? Okay. They did it here. I'm gonna I'm gonna show it to you for a second. Okay. If you can see this, I don't know if you Hold can on, see it. A little, oh, the, the end with a big old question mark in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah. I don't know. It's Wait, a little, you can't really it's see too it. too bright, but yeah. But it has the, um, I don't know how do I, hang on for a second, let me do this. Uh, <laughs> maybe this helps. Yes, there you go. The end. So yeah. it, it's the worst font. It's the, it's the worst, <laughs> the worst font. It's the worst color. It's a bad and it has this mark. cheesy, it's a bad, it's a bad question, question mark. mark. It's all would be caught dead with that question. <laughs> yeah. So, being the only person who probably watched the Blu-ray with the commentary on, the producer said this was a mistake. That uh, well, there you they go. said they got the wrong font, and then so they they snipped it out of the uh, any future release of it. But I remember, it was not in the version I saw on, on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but I was I was loving the movie, and then that came up, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I kind of appreciate it because it does have like you know that old monster movie feeling, but it was I'm always yeah. into. I, I am always into some ridiculous the end question marker to be continued sure, sure. maybe or any sure. any stupid like ending thing like that um i i love cheesiness but uh that's 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 ugly i agree that's 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 aesthetically yeah, that's unpleasing um do you want to rate this movie kenny i do uh i'm gonna let you go first i'm gonna i'm gonna ask to go last fine all right oh, yeah. uh, which i've, never, which I've never done on the pod before that's fine. But I have a reason. I'll, I'll go first. It doesn't bother me. Um, I didn't see this film in 99, so I can't, uh, I can't really speak to uh, how I would have felt about it then. Watching it the other day, um, I... So I watched it after I watched Godzilla vs. Kong, which maybe was unfair to it. I'm, I'm not sure. But... Um, so it, it was a little bit of a jarring thing to see these two films next to each other because they're very different. Um, so th- in the beginning of this, um, I had to sort of acclimate to it. Uh, and it didn't take that long, but it did take me a beat. Um, I'd say that going into this podcast, I was at around a, a 65. Um, I liked it. Um, I didn't totally lock into it in all of the ways that I was hoping I would. There was, I, I certainly had my issues with the UFO stuff. Um, but, but it, it, I was engaged the whole time. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, talking with you on and, and learning a little bit more about sort of the backstory and giving me a little bit more sort of context to it. I like it more. I probably give it a, I give it a, let's say a 70 now. Um, I think that it's, um, and also Kenny's thoughts in terms of the, the, the grander notions that were perhaps, um, involved in it, I think helps as well. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it makes me truthfully, it makes me kind of want to go buy that Criterion box set and just start at the beginning and 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 watch them because it does feel like I think, and I don't want to speak to to the masses as a whole, but um, that I've been dismissive of Godzilla, that I've that I've kind of put him in this B movie box, and that it's all just kind of silly, and that's not fair to it. I think there's there's, um, you know. On top of what Kenny's saying about the 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 allegories and metaphors that exist within it, I also just think that there's a lot of craft in this that I think a lot of people don't necessarily give enough credence to. Um, and and I think that you know now with us living in a CG universe, where as cool as as Godzilla versus Kong looks, and it does look very cool, there's something about a guy in a suit that feels tactile, that feels you know just very real that that really worked for me. So so I'm I'm probably at around a seventy. What about you, one? Cool. So uh, I saw this in the theaters. I think yes. I only saw it once. Mm-hmm. Sadly, I don't think it was in theaters long enough to maybe see it <laughs> like a bunch of times. Um, I'm also very nostalgic for it because I, my brother, like I said, my brother was probably my entree into sure. loving monster movies, and this is one of the last movies we I remember us seeing together in our old hometown oh, of wow. uh, West and in our old home theater. And I have to say, I like bounced out of the movie theater. I was like, I love this movie so much. <laughs> this is so much fun to see. And again, like I said, it was only the third time I'd seen uh, a Godzilla movie in a big theater. It's only the second Japanese Godzilla mm-hmm. movie I'd seen mm-hmm. in a theater. So I, I was bouncing out of the theater. I loved it. I would probably have given it a 95 if you asked wow. me. Wow, okay, all right. In, if you'd asked me right when I walked out of the theater, I was like, this was so much fun. And I will just also say... Like I said, the human drama in Godzilla movies doesn't always work. I think it worked in the original, the one that you saw. There was a love triangle uh, with the scientist and the, the daughter. Oh, that Kenny saw in the in the original one. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. The, yeah oh, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. Kenny saw yeah. that one. Yeah. I have to say, the human drama in this is pretty good. It's a pretty mm-hmm. strong entry in the Godzilla movies. I think Shinoda and Katagiri represent different sides of the same coin. Yeah. I think there's a great relationship between Yuki, the reporter, and Io, the daughter, because it starts off as bratty younger sister and bossy older sister and it evolves more into a maternal thing like that moment when yuki turns the car around and heads back Mm -hmm. to the building to see if shinoda's alive like i was like wow this is like really affecting me like (laughs) she really cares about that little girl and when shinoda's alive like all of that stuff worked much better than a lot of other godzilla movies i have to say uh so i would probably give it 90 or 95 coming out of the theater uh, I will say probably my score went down just because sure. the millennium, the millennium franchise didn't come together the way I wanted it to. Like there's, there's six movies in the franchise and each one, except for one restarts the continuity. Like okay. there's no connection between okay. uh, those movies. 2000 Godzilla 2000 is probably my favorite millennium movie, which is a controversial opinion. I think most people would pick a movie called GMK but, uh, you know, some of the VFX didn't age very well. And obviously with the legendary Godzilla movies, you can see what a, a great looking Godzilla movie is. So I would probably, usually we, 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 cha- we say our grade yes. in 99 yeah, yeah. and our grade yeah. this year. I would say it probably dropped, but it's still a Godzilla movie I love. I'd probably say it dropped to like an 80 or an 85. Fair enough, fair enough. But it's definitely, it was definitely a movie that like reminded me why I loved Godzilla movies. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. what else could you ask for? That's right. Kenny? <laughs> All right. The reason I wanted to go last is because you're going to give it a really bad grade. No. <laughs> I responded, I give it a 50. I can't decide. I can't decide. 
And I wanted to see if I was swayed one way or another by your grades. Because I, I, I look, I don't think this is a, a great movie, and I don't think it's a great Godzilla movie. Um, that being said, I haven't seen a lot of Godzilla movies, so I don't know. But I, what you meant, you mentioned something earlier, Phil, about how it has one foot in the, you know, kind of the the older classic Godzilla, you know. Mm-hmm pool and another foot and kind of this more modern Godzilla pool and, and that worked for you. But for me, it felt a little fish nor foul. Now I, I do want to say something. The foul part does nothing for me, right? The, the modern stuff is not like my Godzilla, right? That doesn't excite right. me the way the old men in rubber suits thing excites me. That's cool as shit. And that's weird and fun and awesome. So I do think the attempts to kind of modernize it didn't work for me. Um, and I, I like more of the, like, I love the idea of the Godzilla prediction agency or whatever it's called. I like the idea that this country has been ravaged by monster attacks for the last 50 years. I love the idea that they're figuring out a way to work with it. They're figuring out whether this guy's, you know, friend or foe. They're all of those things. But, um, but ultimately this movie wasn't like, it didn't slay me. All that being said, I don't think it's bad. I'm very happy I watched it. I want to watch more. I certainly want to watch ones from the 60s and 70s that look like a ton of fun and super weird and super gonzo. Um, but in terms of that, I don't feel like this gave me the like crazy ass shit. And I think Orga sucks. Um, so, if the, so not my favorite creature design. There's not a lot to Orga. it, right? It's just not a lot. It, it's it's. It, it, it's that foot in the in the modern that I I feel mm-hmm. that they felt pressured to kind of speak to that doesn't really work for me as much. I'm I'm gonna give it a fifty three. Uh, I am gonna give it definitely in the positive. Definitely like I'm I'm happy to tell people to watch it because it's a fucking Godzilla movie and they rule no matter what. Uh, I know it's probably hard to watch it on the giant screen, but watch it on the biggest TV you can. Um, as you yes. do with all Godzilla movies. And um, yeah, it's, you know, I'm happy I watched it. I'm happy we had one. I'm happy we had a, a, an organic opportunity to talk about this moment in history, Phil, when Godzilla versus Kong is all the rage. It's all the rage. And Anupam, we're thrilled to obviously have you on um, in Thank terms you. of. Always thrilled us, to uh, have you on. Always thrilled to Thank have you, you on. We'll definitely would love to have you back. And And, and just in terms of. Um, giving us the context of you know uh, a diehard fan that that can that can give us sort of the perspective of of what this film was like for for being you know yeah a lover of no, this whole genre. Um, this has been this has been fantastic because sometimes Godzilla fandom can be a lonely fandom. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like it's like if you go to Comic Con, someone's like Highlander's my thing. I'm like oh, great, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know like sometimes. Because we're all TV writers, I feel like everyone has a foot in Luke Skywalker. Like everyone understands the hero's journey or Spock and Resurrection. Like everyone kind of understands Star Trek and Star Wars. Godzilla, a little bit less. So so just getting a chance to talk about Godzilla for two hours makes me so happy. Please. I mean, listen, I'm I'm thrilled to do it. Obviously, not just because we get to talk with you about Godzilla, but, you know, also just in terms of this moment where, like, it does feel as though – this film seems to be scratching an itch for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's fun. And, and, and I'll be curious to see what they do with these franchises kind of moving forward. It feels yeah. like it, it, you know, 
could be a rebirth to some degree or another to these franchises, mm-hmm. which have been sort of wobbly, like successful, yeah. but not like crazy successful. So I'm curious to see where, where they go it with it. Like wobbly forward. is a good word for it. But this was, yeah. Good. But this was, this does feel like it's that Superman versus Batman thing that was so flubbed yeah. with the DC, mm-hmm. with the DC yes. thing. Like this did feel a little bit like a climax. They had one movie for each before going into it. There's mythology behind this and, and people were really primed for it. I was, I w- I'm surprised by how much it kind of took over the culture for this moment. It also yeah. feels a little bit like they, you know, uh, Adam Wingham, who did the, who directed the film, um, I just think really understood what people wanted, whether or not it, you know, it's a quote unquote good movie. He understood what people were looking for, like an hour 45 it's in, it's out. It knows what it's doing. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's silly. Um, You know, I, I think that, I think, Anyway, I think it really worked for what it's worth. Um, but uh, but again, thank you so much, Anupam, for coming on. Next week, absolutely, we are doing um, this. This really just shows the breadth of 1999. We're going from Godzilla 2000 to Girl on the Bridge. Oh, uh, a, a black and white, beautiful love story um, with uh, Vanessa Paradis. Um, it's a little tricky to find, so um, you know, search it out. It's out there, but you'll have to kind of. Uh, look under some some rocks yes, to find look it. Under a rock, um, worth it. But it's absolutely worth it. Um, I don't know. Have you seen this film, Anupam? Do you know of this film? I have not. I haven't seen it. It's it's a it's. I think that I think I can speak for Kenny. Both of our a definite favorite of of uh, of ninety nine. Um, it's 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 one of uh, our favorites. Yes, for it, sure. One of our favorites for sure. It's a it's a a really lovely love story about a um, a knife thrower who is um, <laughs> suicidal and um, meets another woman on a bridge who is also contemplating suicide. So she becomes his assistant. Uh, okay. And it's, uh, it's very French. It's, uh-huh. it's, very, it's very darkly comedic and beautiful and romantic. And uh, we, we were lucky enough to have David Ehrlich on from IndieWire, who's one of our favorite film critics. Um, but I don't believe he's a favorite a among old- the Godzilla fandom. That's my sense. <laughs> That's that is very possible. My sense. He oh, has he, he? My sense. He is a little critical of Godzilla. My sense is he, he does oh, okay. not like this uh, Godzilla versus Kong very much, and he did not. And he is, but, he's having uh, a bit of a moment for it. But he's a wonderful guy, and he's a wonderful he's guy. It's a love episode, fest of yes. an episode. Um, it's it's the three of us just uh, every now and then. I think Kenny. I I, I think Kenny enjoys it too when we just we all love a movie and we all just get to just. Uh, heap a lot of love on a film that maybe people haven't seen. So it's very awesome. exciting in that regard. Particularly a movie um, that I didn't, you literally again. didn't know existed before this podcast. <laughs> All right. Anupam, but, uh, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and we hope to have you back soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been great. One last thing, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989. Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. 
Also, please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's. Thank you to Ernie and Will for producing our episode, Sullivan for our social media, Jan Katas for our artwork and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.